Hello and welcome to Portroid Cast episode 28. As always, my name is Rick, I'm the host, and uh, this week my guest is John Hess. John is someone that I met back in 2013 at UCB. We were in an uh, advanced sketch writing class together out in New York. And uh, so, John, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. I'm really happy to, to have you be part of this. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, prior to your um, attending UCB, again, as I mentioned, we were in sketch class together. What was your trajectory toward comedy and the entertainment industry? Uh, that's a great question. I started uh, comedy uh, like a year and a half, I guess, uh, into attending NYU for film. So I, um, you know, I had always loved dicking around with cameras and um, telling stories. And when I was a kid, I liked to make people laugh, but I never really um, imagined that being a career, especially not comedy writing. Um, and so I went to film school thinking that I was going to be like a director of dramatic films, uh, which, I mean, I wouldn't mind doing that at some point, uh, directing a movie of any um, of any tone. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I got introduced uh, to UCB sort of accidentally um, and, uh, and, and a lot of comedy accidentally uh, at school and Eventually, I, I start. I went to an ASCAT. Um, I think the Sunday before I started my uh, sophomore year of college, and um, I was hooked. I was hooked on improv, and I was like, "Oh my god, these people are very cool," uh, and and you know, nerdy and stuff, but like cool in our way. Right. Uh, <laughs> certainly not traditionally cool. I mean, we're all a mess, uh, but yeah. I mean, and I was just like, I have to do what they're doing, and and so eventually. Um, I, you know, I, I just tried to combine my love of film and storytelling with my uh, reinvigorated love for not just comedy, but for creating it, for creating comedy. Excellent. And then um, from New York, you moved to Los Angeles. Why? That too is a great question. Um, I, I you know, I'm asking sarcastically because a lot of people move to LA from New York probably oh. for the deeper pools of opportunity, but I do genuinely want to know what your motivation was. Yeah, well, no, but I do, I, I applaud your, uh, the, the direct nature of your questioning. Um, I, yeah, so I was in New York for six years and it still shocks me that I only lived there for six years because it had been such a big part of my life prior to moving. Uh, moving there felt like such a natural decision um, even without the college part. Um, and so like the fact that it would, the fact that I would have lived there for 10 years last year uh, and the fact that I've already lived in LA for over five years is shocking. Um, and not sad, but just shocking because it's fine here uh, in LA. But uh, yeah, so to actually answer your question, I have been living there for six years. I love it there and I loved it there. Um, I decided to move while I was working a really difficult job. Um, I was an assistant editor for what began as a as an online live morning show with AOL, and eventually transitioned into um, a not live morning show, almost like a playlist uh, with the Huffington Post. Okay. And I was eventually. Uh, 
it's uh, it's official on my resume, but it, unofficially uh, as an editor uh, from assistant editor video. Um, and by the time I had decided to move and was editing videos for that, I was really enjoying it. And the hours were a little bit more reasonable, not by much though. Uh, but when it started and when I decided to move, I was waking up at like two in the morning and going to bed at 7 p.m. Uh, and I got that job in the early spring. Uh, so I was going and my bedroom window at the time faced, uh, faced it faced, uh, westward. And, uh, so I was going to bed with the sun in my eyes. Um, and I was going, I was riding the subway home from work and it felt like my head was full of bees. So, um, I won't say that the job at HuffPost drove me out of New York. It sure didn't, but cause it was very fulfilling by the end, but, that job sort of precluded me. I, I was doing stand-up um, and I was doing kind of a, a good amount of it. And I was really starting to feel confident, not just like in improv and in writing, but like as, as my own solo uh, comedy entity. And so I was frustrated that I wasn't really able to do that comedy uh, because I had to go to bed at 7 p.m. Right. Um, and it just felt like it was stunting a lot of my life and having an adverse effect on my uh, health. Um, again, look, no one's going to care. It was, I left that job in 2016, but I, I'm, I'm not, uh, decrying the job, although we're, we're dealing with a lot of, uh, inhumanity in the entertainment industry right now anyway. Um, so any, anyway, uh, to get back on track, I think it was just an amalgam of those things. Like I need to leave, uh, this situation that's not really pushing me forward. I'm ready to make a, um, a bigger push towards my comedy dreams. Um, New York is great, but a change of pace would be wonderful too. I'm pretty tired and quote unquote paradise sounds really nice right now. So I went out to, um, actually, no, I canceled the exploratory trip. Um, but I, I yeah, I just made the decision. I had been to LA before. I just made the decision to, to move out there. Um, and yeah, you know, it, it, I, I, we, we can, we can uh, uh, go into other questions, but I suppose it's worth mentioning um, in retrospect, sometimes I wonder if I moved a little prematurely, if hubris got the better of me. Um, I find it fairly easy to put that thought out of my mind because I don't think there's ever a right or a wrong time to move out there unless you're, um, un unless the right time is because you're being called in for like a really important job. Right, yeah. and, and the the only way it's a wrong time as if the attitude you bring to, you know, your new city is wrong. So yeah, I mean, that, that's that. And there's plenty I could say about, you know, the beginnings of my time in, in LA. And we're um, going to get to that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. cool. I, I will. Let's just jump into the next question. Great. It, is, it is related to your, your moving to LA. So after you did move to LA, which you're still there, um, you worked for Jimmy Kimmel Live and then also uh, a little late with Lily Singh. Mm -hmm. What did you enjoy about working in late night TV? And what were some of those challenges? Yeah. Um, and incidentally, uh, we met while I was doing an internship at Late Night with Jimmy Fallon. So, oh, okay. Yeah. I think uh, I knew that. I probably knew that at the time, but yeah. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, it's fine if you, I just, uh, it's you a probably fun. said, hey, I'm John. I work at, as an intern at, at Jimmy Fallon. No, I was, I, I was probably, yeah, you know, I was walking around with, with, you know, all the apparel that they, uh, you know, made us buy. Of course. Um, uh, no, I, for the listeners, I was definitely quiet about that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so anyway, yeah, I, um, 
I have really loved late night. I didn't grow. I feel like so many of the, of the folks we meet in the comedy community grew up watching um, either Letterman or Conan or both. Um, and I never did. My parents were always pretty strict about bedtime. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I just, I rarely watched that stuff. Um, but then I, I got a little more aware of it. And it also seemed like a really interesting venue for, um, uh, for people who wanted to be comedy writers who also liked the news because I did watch the daily show and the Colbert report because I could watch reruns of those after school. Um, I think, and uh, I think that's where I saw them anyway. Um, or I DVR them, but nevertheless, um, you saw, I, I saw them. Uh, thank you. (laughs) And so, um, I always figured late night would be a good way to get my foot in the door. Um, I have other production and post-production uh, experience. So I, you know, I could find a way to get, if I could find a way to get hired onto one of these shows without necessarily needing to gun for the um, coveted writer's assistant, et cetera, positions, though I would have loved that. There you go. So anyway, um, experiences in late night, my opinions of late night have changed an awful lot since working in late night. And uh, that's not to say that I, I'm not trying to be like overly diplomatic or anything, but um, you know, that's not to say that, that I was starry eyed about late night. And now that I no longer work at a late night show, I hate it. Um, But I think that, you know, I I think that it it really depends on the show you're at and the culture that's built um, by the show and by the, the higher ups at the show. And so you know, Fallon, I don't have much to say about because I was an intern and, and interns are probably rightly isolated from a lot of that stuff. It was a fun, cool experience. Um, I do think that the intern culture in general, I don't know if it's any, if it's any more so at NBC or at um, the former late night, I have no idea about the Tonight Show, um, but it felt a little um, isolated and uh, uh, like keep your head down and don't talk to anybody, uh, which is a bummer um, to sort of fill college age kids essentially with that sort of anxiety and pressure um, of like, you're here, but we kind of don't want you to be. Um, So that's that experience. Kimmel was interesting. And I got into a little bit of trouble uh, towards the end of my time there for speaking in a way that I shouldn't have, in a forum that I shouldn't have, um, which I can get into. Yeah, I may as well get into it. But um, if if you don't mind a little juice I on your juice, certainly okay on your podcast. But yeah. um, I so I should preface that, and once I get to it, I'll say it again. This is not like I. There's nothing. Um, I'm not condemning the show. It was my fault. Um, but uh, and and what you'll find out was my fault is not that big a deal. Um, especially three years later. Anyway, good Lord. Um, Kimmel was really cool. I got the job a couple of months, I think four months. So a few months after moving to LA and I was thrilled. I mean, I I hadn't had a job. I moved out here specifically without a job uh, so that I could just be, um, you know, uh, refreshed and, and creative for a little while. I saved up to do that. I was, I was lucky to be in that position. Uh, and so I got this job and I kind of jumped at it, uh, knowing full well that, um, 
the hours were once again going to be pretty difficult to manage or, or difficult to to live with. And, um, you know, I, I just sort of figured, well, I did that at HuffPost. I can certainly do the opposite set of hours for a comedy show, Come, of course. So I wound up freelancing through a third company at Kimmel, and I was working from, say, 4, 5 p.m. until maybe 1 a.m. Uh, doing the uh, digital media, like the social media stuff, uh, taking the, the show broadcast and putting it on YouTube and, and eventually Facebook and Instagram, et cetera. Um, it was cool. It was fun. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And the, the freelance part-time nature uh, left me wanting more, but it was also, it felt flexible enough that I was able to like try to do other things as well. Um, then I got hired. Uh, they, they fired that other company and they hired me, uh, properly and it was a lot of fun. I mean, you know, I, I alluded to, um, you know, some, I suppose, uh, uh, less fun elements, but it really was, it was a cool experience and I'm very grateful for it. I learned a lot there. Um, I think that I maybe didn't have the best hand, uh, I won't say dealt to me, I don't wanna be passive in this, but the nature of my specific and uh, solitary job was rough. Uh, the hours I wound up working, uh, you know, about 1 p.m. to 11 p.m. Um, are tough, especially um, for like several years at the beginning of a quote unquote adventure in a new city, um, because it sort of, once again, stifled my ability to socialize uh, and do comedy and, and live a, a proper life. And look, we work in entertainment, uh, that's gonna happen. You know, you're gonna be working long hours, but I, I was sort of the only person I knew in this position who couldn't necessarily network after work or, you know, uh, commit to a, a date. Uh, unless it was on a weekend or something or do comedy shows. And in LA where everyone is trying to be a stand-up comic, uh, weekend slots are not reserved for people who aren't doing shows the rest of the week. Um, so it became really tough. And, um, you know, eventually I, I started feeling like maybe, um, uh, there was really no way, not no way out, but no way up that I felt like I was giving so much of myself uh, to the job and to the show. And it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of interest in not acknowledging that. Um, and maybe not even not, maybe not even rewarding that, but just maybe not a lot of interest in, um, uh, maybe, I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it, um, especially now that it's been years later. And I think I, you know, I, I expressed that frustration in a uh, closed Facebook group and it somehow got to my boss um, and and that resulted in a bit of a talking to. And so that, that's what I was alluding to is like, I, I sort of made the, and, and so I, I, was, I apologize for the length of this no answer. No problem at all. Um, you know, I guess long story short, what was it like working in, in late night? Um, it was tough because I was the only person working those hours, not only that I knew in my life, but at the show. So it was, I felt like, you know, late night, the biggest theme I think among the late night staff is we're all a family. Um, and I don't disagree with that because I see the effort they put into making that true. I just didn't, I felt like maybe a second cousin, 
you know? Sure. You were on the outskirts of that family. Yeah, and, and I guess that's what it is. I never felt much of, an, of a reciprocated effort to bring me in properly. And I wonder if I had been hired by the show to begin with, if that would have been the case. Um, but like the amount of things I had to ask permission to do, not like, not permission for things, but like, is it okay if I email this person? Is it okay if I go to rehearsal? Maybe some of that was mental, um, but I think, you know, it, it could also be a bit of the late night culture in general. I, and I'm not saying that specifically about Kimmel. I, I was talking to my current boss, who's a good guy. Um, they're all good people. I, I shouldn't uh, distinguish good from, from not good. Uh, but, but, but like, I have a good relationship with my current boss as I did with my, with my previous bosses. Um, but I was talking to him the other day and I, cause he wanted me to email our showrunner. I was like, Whoa, that's a big deal. And I said to him, I appreciate you saying that because I come from late night and I feel like, you know, the culture there is don't email anybody without like prior whatever. Um, and I, and I think that goes back to my Fallon internship. So I, I want to make it clear and I don't know if this will make it into the final cut of the podcast. It's going to. Whatever okay. it is, it's making it. Great. Uh, I want to make it clear that I have no, I bear no ill will to uh, the the show, to Kimmel, like the Kimmel the show or the staff, certainly not to the host, um, who I actually imagine I would I would um, get along famously with. We have a lot in common. Um, but uh I bear no ill will uh, towards that. And like, I don't feel victimized or um, or mistreated or any, like truly I, I don't and I didn't. And that's why I felt bad about the, um, like that Facebook post I made in that secret group uh, because it was never directed towards anyone there or the show in general. It was, it was purely expressing my frustration. Venting essentially. Venting for sure, but expressing my frustration at my very specific situation that largely was nobody's fault um and so yeah like I, I like i say i and look maybe some of this is like that sort of uh previous assistant level fear from the entertainment industry but like i really can't stress enough i don't uh, this is not like some whistleblowing uh you know, uh, Scott Rudin, uh, you know, Hollywood Reporter article right. contribution like that. That's not what that was. It was just like it was, it, uh, you know, it just wasn't uh, it, at times it was great. And towards the end, it was harder to see, you know, that it was great. But I but I miss it. That's the weird thing, because um, I there were some great people there that I wish that I had more time with, you know, if I had if I had worked normal hours. Should I talk about a little late with Lily Singh now? Sure, why not? <laughs> so that was a really fun experience too, because it was a really different experience between Kimmel and a little late. I worked at a show called Earth to Ned, oh, which sure. yeah, which was that, a. I think that was my next question, which is about the Jim Henson Company. Oh, okay, you worked uh, for them, and how jealous that makes me. So uh, I. I just would love to hear, throw, throw that into this conversation. Cool. So, so yeah, I, um, I worked, uh, I worked there between the late night shows and I brought it up now because, uh, my job at a little late was as an assistant editor. That was my second assistant editor, uh, aside from HuffPost or AOL, my second assistant editor job, um, in like proper television, uh, where I was using an avid system and, uh, I was doing like real assistant editing work. 
um, as is imagined by, I don't know, professors or you know whoever tells you when you're young what an assistant editor does. Um, but so yeah, Henson was really cool. First of all, it was very uh, refreshing to uh, get out of work at six if I could or seven if I couldn't. Um, and to be working in the same room as people like, to not be the only person with my set of tasks, uh, to be someone who had a lot to learn and who was engaged all the time, who didn't, like, I didn't feel as though my tasks were cookie cutter or like, you know, a, a, a very well-trained monkey could do it. Um, and I was working for people who really seemed to value that I was not, not that I hadn't in the past, but like all of these things together um, really made for a nice positive experience. Uh, and I, I left that job a union member uh, with union healthcare coming up. And I also left that job as a global pandemic was uh, really setting in. Um, so there was a lot of transition. Uh, but it was really fun. That lot, going to work on a lot every day uh, was really cool. Um, that lot is not like a big universal Paramount Fox Warner Brothers lot that like you can, well, you can take a tour of it, but uh, it's not, it's not necessarily the one that you think to take a tour of. There's no tram, um, but there's Kermit and Miss Piggy everywhere and, uh, and other, I think, uh, Fraggles, uh, and uh, Dark Crystal, like there, I don't, I'm not as familiar with other Henson properties, but like they're everywhere. Um, and it just feels like a really fun, imaginative place. The creature shop uh, is, is like around the bend. Uh, and I never saw anybody like fabricating Muppets, but like you can kind of see that that happens there. Yeah. Um, and, it, it, and it was the former chaplain lot. So like there's a, there's a um, in the concrete, there are some of his footprints. Um, which is just cool. Like you can stand in Charlie Chaplin's footprints and realize, oh my God, that guy had small feet. <laughs> um, or, you know, there's the uh, uh, Henson recording studio in one of the buildings and like name a famous artist that you admire. They probably recorded some songs if not a whole album there, um, which is really cool. So, um, you know, it was a lot of fun to uh, work there. And um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if Earth to Net is is uh, coming back or like that whatever, but uh, you know I I would uh, I would definitely go back uh, to work on that lot if if if, if there's a show that um, you know has that. And so uh, through my uh, I, I'm very lucky to be an assistant editor for uh, an editor uh, a guy named Nick Mujis. Uh, who's also a UCB fellow from uh, back in the day before either of our times um, who, who got me that job and got me, helped get me the job at, at a little late, got me my current job where I'm specifically his assistant editor. Um, and I, I owe him my career. I mean, and, and if, if he knew I was saying that he, he would, uh, he would, he would deny it. And, and that's part of the reason why I admire him so much, but um yeah, I'm, I'm just really grateful to, to have somebody in my corner who, who knows what I want to do and, and has been so helpful and instrumental in uh, keeping me advancing. Because I feel as though each of these new jobs from uh, Earth to Ned to A Little Late with Lily Singh to Grace and Frankie, where I work now, um, are 
incredible learning opportunities and I'm just, I'm building skills and like, yeah, I want more than to be an assistant editor, but I'm learning so much on each of them and I'm, and I'm, and I'm gaining so much uh, beyond just confidence. So, yeah. Excellent. Uh, now, breaking away a little bit from your work history and your current work, what's something that you're passionate about, like a hobby or a general interest, just so I could get to know you a little bit better? Sure. Um, it's funny. The thing that I feel most of my friends know me for most, as far as hobbies go, is not the first thing that came to mind. Um, I, I love to bake. Um, I'm a pretty good baker of bread. Uh, don't do as well with um, cakes and stuff, but whatever, who cares? Um, so I really like to bake bread. I just threw out my sourdough starter. Um, I'm looking forward to rediscovering my passion for that at some point though. Um, but the thing that people know me for, I think is mixology. I love of making a good cocktail, uh, whether it's a classic um, done exactly the right way or um, just tinkering around uh, with recipes of my own and you know exploring new flavors. Um, so I really love culinary arts because um, cooking as well. But you know, and so that's that's something that I'm passionate about because it combines a lot of my interests. But honestly, I think the hobby that I'm most passionate about that I get to do maybe the least is drumming. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've been drumming since I was a kid, but I don't have a kit. Uh, I've never had a kit of my own in an apartment of my own. Right, yeah. It's back at my parents' house in Connecticut. So uh, music and drumming are absolutely my biggest passions. That's it. I, I knew about the mixology because, you know, you post pictures of the, the drinks you're making. It's like, okay, this yeah. is cool. So I kind of thought that was going to come up, which is great that it did. But yeah, the drumming is, is new new to me, which I am happy to, to find out about. Yeah. Yeah. There's a story that I always bring up regarding you, which I'm sure you know. I, I, I'm going to get, well, I'm going to guess in my head. <laughs> you got to guess in your head. Um, it was during sketch class. So I think yep. you probably figured it out. Uh, I'd written a sketch. And after the read through, the instructor not only said he didn't think it was funny, but he reprimanded the entire class for laughing at it. He challenged anyone to explain what they thought was funny about it. And there was some silence and I was mortified. But then you spoke up and defended the sketch, defended me. You said it was funny. You stuck your neck out and you diverted the wrath from me. And in the grand scheme of life, consequences were very minor. But <clears throat> after eight years, like that act of bravery is something I always remember about you. Thank and you. I think it, it makes me a loyal supporter of you as a human being. And so I kind of want to take this opportunity just to thank you for that because it did mean a lot to me. It was just kind of like, you know, Someone is, is, we did something and people were laughing. I thought, hey, this is great. And then I just got ripped into. And then I just, it was so interesting that he turned on the entire class. And then, but I just kind of wanted to thank you for that um, publicly in this, in this forum. But uh, I, I, I do think that that did take some bravery in a, in a class setting to kind of stand up to the instructor. Um, so thank you. Oh, uh, well, thank you. Thank you for, for mentioning that so kindly. I, I, I know that we've laughed about that story in the past. Um, I don't know that we've ever gotten uh, that deep into it. And so that's very, uh, that's very kind of you to say. And it was, it was absolutely uh, not just like my pleasure. It was my honor to do, to, to, I guess, I guess stick my neck out. I didn't say that. I, would just, I, I remember he said to me when the sketch was done, 
um, that really tickle, or you were really tickled by that or something. And I was like, yeah, cause I, I, I couldn't stop laughing. And I don't remember exactly if it was the, the imagery. Cause I remember if it was a server in a restaurant, like pouring water and then there's right. Yeah, as- it, was, it was just a basic sketch about someone. The game of the sketch was that they refill the water at, you know, at every sip and, you know, like to the point of overflowing always. And then the manager comes over, says, is there a problem? And like, it's stupid, basic, nothing, but just it's a visual thing of like this person's constantly in your face, filling your water. You're trying to have a serious conversation, but they're always there. And then the manager comes over and says, oh, I see the problem. And they fill the water, you know, like, yeah. you know, just kind of like a silly visual thing. And he just hated it. And I was just yeah. like, yikes. <laughs> but, I, well, I, I can't remember if that was the week that he also spent half the class um, complaining that he had been cut out of Anchorman 2. Um <laughs> So, uh, you know, that, that should, uh, that should demonstrate to, to listeners, uh, uh, what we were dealing with, but I mean, I like, yeah, he, he called at least two of my sketches. I think a one about like bet that was a bed and breakfast for bears and mm-hmm. one, one where people went to a spa and became human sushi. Um, I think he, he called them both uh, sketches for children that they would be better on Sesame Street. So like, Jesus, man, um, just, you know, not the, you know, I, I don't need to be molly coddled, but, um, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit much. And I, yeah, like, I just remember that was a very, very funny sketch and uh, you shouldn't, uh, it's just weird. Yeah. That he like called every one of us out in a weird way yeah, i don't know that that's just what i thought was odd and i was like okay i'm just gonna take this heat for a while but you did help uh, you diverted it and like like i said i bring it up all the time just because i think it was one of those moments where like someone stands up for something where again in the grand scheme of things it doesn't matter for that class doesn't matter mm-hmm. you know but just in the moment you're feeling like this is the most horrible thing in the world and then someone comes in da, 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 with a rescue which i appreciate yeah um, it's my pleasure now i'm going to to divert that uh to my final question which is i think an important one and i think you'll agree um it's it's um if you can provide some background or insights into this um the international alliance of theatrical stage employees the union possible strike that's coming up um, and how you personally are affected. You, you mentioned you're working on Grace and Frankie, which is a streaming show. And I know that streaming uh, people are, are very much I- impacted by this. So I wanted to find out how you're personally affected, if you can give a little background or insights into it and what people can do to help, if anything. Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you for asking about that. So I think the first thing to say, uh, point 1A is I am in no way a spokesperson for the IATSE uh, um, organization at large, which should not come as a surprise to anybody. But so all that's to say is I don't have all of the information, especially since I've only been a member of one of the locals for um, just under two years. Um, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and then the the 1B is um, maybe, I, you know what, I... I I think I overcomplicated myself too quickly. Um, the, 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 yeah. So like, I, I don't, I don't have as much information. Um, so hopefully I'm, I'm not giving bad information. Um, but I, I think one thing to th- that I'm, I'm sort of trying to balance for myself is um, I'm a member of IATSE local 700, which is the editor's guild. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
to my understanding, uh, because IATSE negotiates and organizes as one, you've got a whole bunch of different interests uh, that come together under fewer, bigger interests. Um, and so one of those interests affects everybody, which is like the streaming service contracts, um, uh, how much we get paid versus like TV, uh, you know, proper network or, or, or cable television. Um, but, or, you know, reasonable rest and turnaround times, those affect all of us. But it's important for me to remember, and I'm not speaking for the Editors Guild, I'm not speaking for members of the Editors Guild who may feel differently, but I try to remember, I might work a 12 hour day, um, but I'm also working from home, which has its, which has other um, impacts on me, on my mental health and on my life. Uh, but a nine hour turnaround time, you know, if I work from nine to nine and I have a nine hour turnaround time, uh, that's, I'm not expected to start work at 6 a.m. or whatever that nine hours is. I might wake up at 6 a.m., uh, which is part of the, like, it turned, you know, all it, it all sort of goes into the conversation of what turnaround time is, but I'm not working 18 hour days on set holding a boom pole in the air or holding sure. a camera strapped to my chest. And so I'm not trying to minimize the um, experiences of, of, uh, my, my my own experiences or the experiences of my kin in the Editor's Guild or in less physically strenuous crafts, because that's not the point. Right. But, um, you know, I think there's that wonderful Instagram account, IA Stories, um, that really details a lot of the absolute inhumanity uh, and horror uh, that that occurs in this industry uh, towards below the line people and their families, um, you know, as a brief aside, uh, when I was a senior in high school, I spread myself really thin with a lot of projects, whether it was the musical or a documentary I was making or just studying for AP exams and stuff. And uh, one afternoon, uh, it was a Friday, I was driving to a bookstore in the next town over and I fell asleep at the wheel and I caused a head-on collision. And I am so lucky that no one was hurt, that just two cars were totaled because I could be in prison right now. Uh, if things had gone differently, we're dead, we're dead. And, um, you know, I see a lot of these stories about people, PAs or, or cameramen and, you know, women and anyone working through all hours of the day and night on sets and then driving two hours to their, you know, home afterwards and falling asleep at the wheel and driving off a cliff and then going back to their car to make sure that they got the walkie talkies or the film stock. And then producers asking, is the film okay? And so it doesn't matter if I'm working from home and I have you know, a more comfortable turnaround time, we're all in this together. And it's so, so reasonable what we're asking for. We're not asking that a gaffer or an assistant editor be paid the same as Jeff Bezos. We're asking for a more reasonable period of rest, which again, no matter where you work or how far away from home you work is necessary. And for, for the quality of the, of the production, if we wanna limit it just to work, but also for the quality of life. I mean, holy shit. 
but also for a reasonable raise in pay. Um, and that's where the the, the sort of ass, um, assistant alliance com comes in, and, and the fact that all of the IATSEs cover you know hair and makeup and script coordinators and editors and via et, et cetera. Actually, not as much VFX, depending on the classification. Um, they're trying to unionize uh, more specifically as well. So anyway, I'm I'm taking up uh, a lot of time with this answer, but um, no, I think it's you, an important answer. That's why I'm. It's, <laughs> no, I I appreciate that. Um, but so. Like I, I do okay as an assistant editor who's uh, going to be 29 in a couple of weeks with no family, you know, no uh, uh, family to support. Um, I, I do okay with what I'm paid. That doesn't mean that I, uh, you know, I and others in my position do not deserve a raise, at least a cost of living adjustment. Uh, and the one that we're negotiating for is unfortunately not enough. And that's the director's guild's fault. Um, we don't have enough time to get into that. Uh, but I do okay. Script coordinators, art department court, like people in other departments, writers assistants, writers PAs, don't. I mean, you, you see on that same Instagram account, people barely being able to make rent, if that. And and that's that's not just a um, an economic issue. That's that's a that's a diversity in film issue. That's a societal issue because it means that these coveted jobs that in many ways are are if they go well, direct avenues to the dream jobs of writing, et cetera, producing, it means that those jobs can only be filled, and I'm not saying anything new here, by people who can afford to be paid below or, or just at minimum wage. It means that they can only be uh, uh, taken by people who probably have outside support from family or something. And that's not equitable. It's not right. And so again, that's why we're all under the IATSE banner because whenever it happened, whenever we decided to organize together, part of the reason must've been because we agree we're the craft. We are the craft that gets this done regardless of what wing we're in. So we got to have each other's backs. Um, and yeah, that, that, that's all. I mean, like, like I say, I, I think that, um, oh, and, and you know, the whole healthcare and pension funding as well uh, needs to be re-examined. And so I think, you know, I, I do okay, but my my demands, the Editors Guild's demands are absolutely uh, just as justified and, and um, important, based on everything I just said, important doesn't feel like the right word, but they're just as valid as the rest of the IATSE's demands, the IA's demands, but, um, you know, to a certain degree, we have to um, we have to recognize that we are fighting for um, a, a much more than just a raise in pay for the people in our industry who are treated among the worst. Yeah, yeah. It's quality of life. It's just you know, it's everything. So yeah, I appreciate appreciate your insights. You know, because I see it from the outside, just kind of look and like, oh, this seems really unfair. But I, I wanted to kind of hear it from someone that's in that world. And I, I really appreciate uh, you're, you're going into that. And, and that was my last question. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time, John, to, to uh, be on my podcast and uh, talk about your life. And it's been really great uh, catching up again. And uh, thank you very much for, for being on Portroidcast. Oh, my God. Thank you, Rick, uh, for having me on Portroidcast. And thank you. I don't know that, I, you know what, I don't know that I ever properly articulated to you um, 
how grateful I've been since that day in 2013 when you took my photograph. Oh, well, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to have it. You know, I, it, it was weird. For some reason, I, certain classes, I didn't take pictures of people in the class. That was one of them I didn't. And then I, I, I was like, you and I kind of sat next to each other a lot. And, and I was like, ah, oh, this, this guy, I, I need his picture. And I'm glad I did. And I'm, I'm happy to have you as part of my portrait collection. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful. I mean, to, to, it's one of those things that made me feel um, like I was sort of in the right place because, you know, to, to, and, and that I had met a good person uh, because first of all, the, the project itself is incredible. I mean, I, I was, when you asked about my hobbies, I was going to mention photography as very much like a casual hobby, um, which we should chat about sometime. But uh, like, I, I've, I, I think that you're the, the, the project and the, the, uh, voice that you've uh, carved out is is so cool uh, and it's it's completely unsurprising that it's gotten so so popular I think um, but just to be uh, included in the same sort of um, exhibit or project or collection as people that I, that I feel to be heroes of mine, it doesn't make me connected to them in any other way, but just like to be on the same, you know, page or post as these people, <laughs> just like, oh my God, like, what did I do? Well, what I did was ask you, hey, you know, could I be a part of this, which I did a lot of back then. Um, and you were just cool about it. And it just made me feel, it just made me feel like I was, yeah, in the right place, part of something bigger and cooler. Um, and I'll always cherish that photo. I also, I like, I think I have a cool signature. I like signing my name, but um, I, I'll always cherish that photo because uh, first of all, I don't know what kind of uh, Polaroid uh, stock you were using. Is that the right word for, for Polaroid? Uh, is it stock as well? Or? Yeah, sure. Yeah. That was probably, I think you were on Spectrofilm at that point. The, uh, the, the color uh, and just the way that it develops is so cool. Um, so I just think it looks really cool, but I also like, that uh, reminds me of such an interesting time in my life. And it's so nice to have that Snapchat. Cause I mean, I was exhausted in the photo and I think you can probably see that my beard was pretty long at the time, or at least for that age, I was dressed, you know, in my internship clothes, it just like, it, it, but my smile, like my eyes are delirious, but my smile is really just like, I, it's a nice picture of me. And I'm really grateful uh, uh, to you for, for, capturing it for making that photo and uh for allowing me to be included in in such a just cool and and in my opinion legendary uh, uh art project uh, is project an okay word it's a perfect word it's a okay, perfect good. word for it because it's it is a project and it's uh it's ongoing which i which i really enjoy um, good and thank you for the kind words it, it was my pleasure to, to add you to the the project and uh you know someday when we meet again in face-to-face -face versus, uh, you know, online, then, uh, you know, maybe I'll, I'll take an update shot. Though I usually only do one per person, you know, I'm always willing to do an update. Well, I, I, but one per person is, is a perfectly fine rule. I appreciate the, the sentiment and I won't stop you. However, um, I have significantly less hair on my head than I did um, uh, eight, eight years ago. Oh my God, wow. Um, uh, that I did eight years ago. So like, you know, if, if you don't get around to it, that's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> but if you do also, I also wear glasses now, like, Something you know, new. yeah. And, and, and my back always hurts. So, um, 
you know, you it's, can write uh, that on there. My back hurts. So. Yeah. Oh, that's what I could write. Exactly. That's what, that's what uh, I mean, not the back, but um, just a slight diversion. When I took the, my first picture of Bob Odenkirk, hmm. he wrote my shoes hurt uh, and then he signed it. It's like, I all think, right, great. I think I saw that recently. <laughs> I, a, oh, yeah. I think I think I posted it after his. his yeah, when he, back. yeah. 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 So. Yeah. I mean, but that's, it's, it's so cool how you're able to, I mean, and that says so much more about, you know, your skills as a photographer and as an artist and just as a, as a human being that you're able to get these people. And I'm sure you've had discussions ad nauseum about this, but just like how you're able to get someone of any degree of fame to do that. Did you get Obama? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You got Obama to do it. Like what? So, I mean, like, yeah, who does that? That's that. That's you and Obama. You guys are in the same in the same what? class. I mean, yeah, we're we're basically yeah, we're basically peers. It's fine. But um, <clears throat> no, I mean, that says so much about your talents beyond the the you know what we deem to be the artistic uh, talents. That's just so freaking cool. Um, but anyway, uh, uh, enough uh, enough kissing ass. But, <laughs> I, I kid, but uh, no, thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Uh, I hope that none of my answers were too verbose. And if anyone from, uh, from the, the second late night show I ever worked on, hears this, um, I, you know, truly no will will. I, I still, I'm still going to be uptight about, um, about how I come off. Um, but uh, it was, it was a good experience and um, yikes. I, um, I really got to learn to shut up. Thank you so much, John. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Rick.